Welcome to episode two of the Wolf Sports Show. I'm your host, David Chapin. We're coming off a pretty interesting uh, week one. Started started well with the Bucks win over the Cowboys, thrilling game. The Bucks were somewhat sloppy with a couple of turnovers. Uh, the Ronald Jones fumble, Leonard Fournette um, had the ball go off his hands for one of Brady's interceptions. And the other was on Hail Mary just at the end of the half. But uh, I'd say it's not a great sign for the rest of the league that the Bucks didn't play a great game but found a way to win at the end. It's not surprising, obviously, with Tom Brady as their quarterback. But that might have been the worst game they'll play all season if they're on their game, if this was a wake-up call a little bit. And, you know, Brady and... All the bets, Devin White in the defense, Lamonte David, they're going to be ready to go every week. So I'd say not a great sign for the rest of the league that the Bucks played sloppy and still beat a Cowboys team that pretty much played as well as possible almost on offense. Dak didn't do a ton during the summer, didn't play in the preseason, but and there were uh, concerns about the shoulder and, and his ankle coming off the leg injury last year. No restrictions at all. Throwing to CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Gallup's now going to miss time with an ankle injury. Uh, went on IR, so he's going to miss at least three games. But the Cowboys look like they can score with anyone, and the defense had a promising first game. I know it was kind of self-inflicted wounds by the Bucks a little bit, but give the Cowboys credit for making some plays, causing a few turnovers. And I know the Chris Godwin, the Bucks receivers, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, they kind of lit up the Dallas secondary, but they got something going, I think, with Trevon Diggs as a number one corner. He did a good job on Mike Evans all night. He's an emerging shutdown corner, in my opinion. So I'm a little more optimistic. I thought the Cowboys could be good because of the offense, but I'm a little more optimistic about them overall after their performance in the season opener. I think they're going to push for a wide-open NFC East. They're going to push for a playoff spot, even if they don't win the division, I think. Sticking with the NFCs, the Eagles looked really good. Jalen Hurts, I think I said it in the first episode, how I thought he's like a potential superstar quarterback that could take a huge leap this year. I thought he played well last year anyway, but might get on like a MVP level similar to Lamar Jackson in his first full year as starter. But they kind of started slow, sluggish. Uh, the defensive line was kind of getting gashed by Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson for the Falcons. But they turn it on later in the game and look stout like they should the defensive line still good and the offensive line led by Jason Kelsey who center Jason Kelsey looks like he's still in his prime they are pretty much a driving force to making the Eagles potentially be contenders this year and similar to the Cowboys I think the NFC East was terrible last year but I think both the Eagles and Cowboys can push for not just winning what might be a bad division, but pushing for a wild card spot, I think, in the NFC. And for the Falcons, it was a good sign early. Like I said, Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson were running really well. Arthur Smith clearly wants to run. The Falcons haven't had a run game in, I don't even know, five years at least. So getting the run game going would definitely help Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts get going a little bit on play action and Ryan's pretty devastating on play action. I think one of the best in the league at it. 
and hitting uh, deep shots down the field. In the early games also, Joe Burrow, he he and the Bengals had an overtime win over the Vikings. There were concerns about Burrow during the summer. He kind of seemed to have a limp a little bit, like early in the offseason during OTAs and stuff. But And he was able to get out there in the preseason for a game, so there weren't really concerns anymore entering the season, but he really put all that to bed in week one. Didn't look hampered at all. And he looks 100% coming off the leg injury. And Jamar Chase, also some concerns during the summer with drops a little bit during preseason, during practice. But he he obviously put that behind him. Uh, caught a long touchdown from Burrow. And the Bengals, they have the firepower to score with almost anyone. But also the defense played well. The front four got some pressure on Kirk Cousins. So they have some veteran pieces on defense, and they might take a leap this year, be better than people think. If they're above average on defense, the offense being potential top 10 unit, the Bengals can be really good. And Joe Mixon, I think he had 33 touches, somewhere around 30 touches in week one. He's looks primed to carry a huge load and maybe be a monster this season. He's extremely talented. So the Bengals have underrated pieces, I'd say. I guess it's in fantasy football. People seem to not like Joe Mixon a little bit. I don't know why they make it like he gets hurt all the time. He kind of doesn't. I know last year with the foot was mysterious, but but the Bengals have players on both sides of the ball to make a run this year, I think. And also, like I said, Burrow played in the preseason a little bit, even coming off the knee injury. And as discussed in episode one, a lot of teams did not play in the preseason. I said to keep an eye on that. Maybe they'd be rusty. or And some teams that did not play during the preseason were okay. But I think the Titans, Packers in particular, they could have used the preseason to look like. The Packers got demolished by the Saints. James Winston threw five touchdowns. The Saints defense just absolutely shut down Aaron Rodgers in the offense. I think maybe they could have used the preseason. I know it's not like in years past they have played a lot in the preseason or anything with Rodgers, but still the Saints played during the preseason. And the Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't seem worried, but Matt LaFleur said he was embarrassed by the performance. I think Rodgers, he's just so good. He's a guy that can kind of relax and go out there and play like A-plus football, but... I don't know, maybe the whole team can't be like that. And also the Titans, they, I guess, maybe them along with Packers play the worst of anyone. The defense gave up five total touchdowns to Kyler Murray, but I don't think they played that bad considering the offense just couldn't get anything going and Murray was just making crazy plays, like running around like a video game character, making accurate throws like outside the pocket. But the Titans offense, they were kind of hitting the mouth early. They couldn't get Derrick Henry going. Chandler Jones had five sacks in the game. When Henry couldn't get going early, and then the passing offense didn't really have its rhythm. Again, I think from not playing in the preseason might have hurt. And also, like, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, especially Julio just joining the team, they didn't really do much during the summer. They kind of, like, I guess Julio was kind of put on ice, it seemed like. Um 
he's not a guy that has needed practice historically in the past, but he was joining a new team and things just seemed off between Tannehill and his receivers in week one. So it's not ideal that they're kind of learning on the fly. Now they got to face Seattle this week in Seattle. That's not going to be easy with the crowd noise too. dealing with that. Some teams did kind of figure it out like on the fly a little bit, like the Raiders, they did not play in the preseason. The offense, Derek Carr did not play. And early Derek Carr looked rusty. He was like high on some throws, uh, just inaccurate, which he's normally extremely accurate. And early in on Monday night, he was not accurate at all, but he kind of got it going. Darren Waller, he's just pretty much unguardable. And he was the clear foundation piece of the passing attack. But then late in the game, Brian Edwards caught fire, second-year receiver Brian Edwards. So keep an eye on him. Henry Ruggs, Waller, Hunter Renfro had some key catches. Josh Jacobs, they should have more rhythm, I think, heading into week two because, again, they didn't play in the preseason, and they kind of got things going on the fly against the Ravens in that huge win on Monday night. In the Sunday night game, the Bears... They didn't play terribly, but they had some balloon coverages. Matthew Stafford lit them up a little bit. The offense, it was kind of expected. The Bears' offense did not get much going. They couldn't get anything going down the field. Justin Fields came in and provided a bit of a spark down near the end zone and ran for his first career touchdown in the first game. But Dalton needs more of an opportunity to throw the ball down the field a little bit. That might come this week against the Bengals. He faces his former team this week. Look for Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney to get going more, especially more down the field. And for the Rams, there's a lot of hype. I said in the first episode, like Matthew Stafford, the hype train is pretty crazy. It continued. The NBC broadcast was kind of like making it like he's on the pretty much Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady level. He he played well, obviously. Again, the Bears had a couple of balloon coverages. He took advantage like he should. But, like, there's talk about East Coast bias. It seems like it's Hollywood bias right now a little bit. Like, again, Stafford played really well, but he won NFC Offensive Player of the Week over Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston. They all lit it up. I thought they all definitely played, had better games. And Stafford, Stafford, again, played well. But when I saw Stafford won NFC Offensive Player of the Week, I was shocked, actually. Uh, back to the early games. The Patriots, they kind of were ready to kick a go-ahead potential game-winning field goal late against the Dolphins. Damian Harris uncharacteristically uh, fumbled, lost a fumble. But I really liked how after the game, Mac Jones basically blamed himself heavily saying like and he was hit a lot during the Dolphins game but he blamed himself heavily saying he needs to be better he needs to stay on top of things in practice he makes too many mistakes in practice so pretty much he deflected any blame from Harris and Ramadre Stevenson also fumbled and the offensive line they were good but he, Jones was hit a lot and basically Jones just took all responsibility after first career game a tough loss so that was really mature of him and on the field, Jones was really efficient and accurate, as was expected from him. Again, Nelson Aguilar, 
he was pointed at as a difference maker last week in the first episode. I think he had five catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown against the Dolphins, which is not an easy matchup. They have really good corners. And Aguilar is going to make a big difference with the Patriots. And Jones, the future is clearly bright with him. He's running that offense well. They could run the ball well. And remember, the Patriots kind of start slow sometimes. Belichick will get things going, and the Patriots should be among the top teams in the league this year, I think, playing offense more like they want to compared to last season. And if you're like the Packers or the Titans or also the Colts were a team in the preseason, well, not really not playing in the preseason, but Carson Wentz was injured then on the COVID list for a little bit. So like he didn't get many practice reps even this summer, which wasn't ideal. They had to face the Seahawks in week one. But these teams, like the Colts, Packers, Titans, they should not panic. It was just one week. Last year, crazy things happened in week one. So it's not the time to panic after one game, obviously. And week two kicks off tonight. Uh, the Giants playing Washington in Washington. Daniel Jones has never lost to Washington. But he's also never won in primetime. I think he's 4-0 and against Washington and maybe 0-5 in primetime. So something's got to give tonight. We'll see what happens. Back to week one quickly. The Giants kind of look almost the same as they have like last year. They had a Kenny Galladay in free agency, Kadaris Tony in the first round. But Barkley was... He's kind of working his way back from the knee injury a little bit. We'll see how much he's used tonight. He might be limited some on the short week. He is listed as questionable, although he's expected to play. But, like, the Giants can't have Daniel Jones as their leading rusher. He's He can run. He's a good runner. But, like, they want to be able to run the ball, set up play action, and then they get more explosive plays going, which Jones can hit the deep ball. He's a good deep ball thrower. So, and tonight's going to probably be a defensive battle. Taylor Heineke. He had to step in for Ryan Fitzpatrick, unfortunately, dealing with a hip injury. That's going to knock him out for several weeks. But Heineke, I thought, again, you don't want to just base things off one game too much, but he played really well against the Bucks in the January last year in the playoffs. The team clearly was like rallying behind him during the game. He's, I think, will be just fine as a starter. I think that Washington could have gone into the offseason and into this season as, with him as the starter. And he's got a great opportunity in front of him. The Washington is not going to bring in Cam Newton, at least at the moment. Ron Rivera's been pretty clear about that the past two years, that they want to go with who they have in the quarterback room. And people might say tonight's game is boring if it turns out to be like 20 to 16 or something. Um, but I'm fine with the defensive game. People like offense, I know. But as long as it's like, solid defense and not just bad offense. I think it's entertaining as any game. Moving to Sunday, Eagles-Niners is a really interesting one. The Niners surprisingly made Trey Sermon inactive. Third-round rookie running back. He was inactive in week one, which was a total shock to just about everyone. And also Brandon Ayuk, he, he dealt with a hamstring injury like most of the summer, but it was surprising he didn't get many opportunities in week one either. So we'll see on Sunday or maybe into the future weeks, like if it's just hard coaching by Shanahan wants to get more out of them or what. There was some talk about Sermon 
and and IUIC, both of them like having some issue with curfew or something. Some people are saying they didn't get vaccinated. There's a bunch of rumors. None of it's substantiated. So I I just think it's practice performance. Shanahan wants to see more out of him. He's still high on both players, Shanahan, so they should get opportunity soon. But six-round rookie Elijah Mitchell played well in his while replacing Raheem Mostert, who unfortunately is out for the season again with another knee issue. But the Eagles, I mentioned how impressive Jalen Hurts and the offensive line, defensive line looked. They're underdogs against the Niners at home in Philadelphia. But the Eagles are, I think, an undervalued team a little bit. So something to keep an eye on that game. Also in the early window on Sunday in the AFC, Vegas against Pittsburgh. The Raiders need to avoid a letdown after the emotional, crazy, thrilling win on Monday night against Baltimore. They play another tough AFC North team. The Steelers got a huge win in Buffalo. The defense, I'd say, is probably the most underrated unit in the league enter the season, maybe. The defense is top-notch. Again, something not to panic about. Najee Harris didn't like do much in the stat department in week one, but he looks good. He's going to be good. He's going to get fed the ball. He's dominating backfield touches. And there will be more balance in the Steelers' offense. Ben Roethlisberger is going to play efficiently. He'll throw it around if he needs to. He likes throwing it around. But we'll see if they can get the run game going more against the Raiders on Sunday. So that's one to watch in the early window as one of those teams is going to be 2-0. In a crowded AFC, that's a great start, especially Baltimore staring at 0-2. They face the Chiefs on Sunday night. That's not going to be easy. As for the Bills, look for them to get the offense going. They They didn't play poorly on offense in week one. The Josh Allen fumble and the Matt Breida failed fourth down on like a pitch back to him which has worked, I think, worked in the past for them well, that play. Maybe it was the preseason. But anyway, the those were two key plays in a tight loss to Pittsburgh. The Dolphins are coming off that huge win in Foxborough. But the Bills have had their number big time with Josh Allen. Allen's lit them up. I think every game they played in, even Week 17 last year, like Allen played not much because then they Buffalo rested. But when he was in there, he was just like, going down the field like it was nothing. So, and the Dolphins know that. They're, like, going to be determined to stop that because they want to they wanna be the team that takes the next step this year and wins the division like the Bills did last season. But I'd say look for the Bills to get going on offense. Again, the Chiefs-Ravens game, Baltimore staring at 0-2, facing the Chiefs. It's, it's going to be interesting on Monday night. The Ravens relentlessly pressured Derek Carr, just a bunch of zero blitzes. And they're going to go after Mahomes. They're not going to let him sit back there. But then you're kind of in a bind because stopping Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, even Miko Harmon had a deep touchdown against the Ravens, I think, last year it was. They're not easy to contain if you're all out blitzing and having one-on-one situations with the Chiefs playmakers. And also about the Monday night game last week, I watched the Manning uh, telecast on ESPN. I gave it a shot, and it was really entertaining. 
obviously Peyton and Eli are really funny and they also dive into the game. It was cool with the guests telling stories and stuff. Ray Lewis was pretty funny. Um, how Eli <laughs> had a zero quarterback rating against them, against the Ravens, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. So the Manning thing is definitely a huge hit. I think everyone loves it. The only thing I'd say is I wish they would show full screen more, the full game, instead of having to show uh, the faces of Peyton, Eli, and their guests when the guest is on. There might be, a, I guess, an agreement where they can't do that because then maybe everyone would watch that instead of the normal ESPN broadcast, which does show the full field, doesn't show the commentators all the time. But the Manning thing is definitely a hit for ESPN. It was a good idea by them. I don't know if I'm going to keep watching. I, I want to, but again, I want to watch the whole field. You don't really get reports from the game. Sideline reports on the Manning telecast. The production overall was like kind of low quality a little bit for the Manning thing, but I don't. I didn't mind that. It's kind of work in progress thing but people just want to hear what they have to say they're funny and they talk football they manning didn't peyton didn't get to go up on the whiteboard as much as he wanted to it seemed like because partly because the raiders were going so fast on offense early in the game when he was going for it but it's cool to hear them talk about plays and play calls and everything like that and as for the guest russell wilson he joined in the fourth quarter and stayed throughout overtime because he didn't mind talking ball with Peyton and Eli instead of going to watch more film. It was still good for him to talk to two guys like that. But Wilson is definitely, he can definitely go into television when he's done. He was like, he's obviously very smart and he was smooth and everything. Good talker. So I say maybe 10, 15 years down the line, Wilson might have a big role with one of the networks, probably announcing games, maybe a studio thing. We'll see. If he wants to, he doesn't need to do that, but he might be interested. And to cap off week two, a little preview in the Monday night game. Look for Green Bay to get right after the bad week one performance. We told you not to laugh at the Lions last week. They were kind of getting blown out by the Niners, but they fought back like expected under Dan Campbell. They're not going to be an easy win, I don't think, this season for many teams they came back they almost beat the Niners they had a chance at the end they made a one possession game Jared Goff doesn't have a ton of help on the outside at receiver but they're a little bit underrated like Quintus Cephas he made a nice touchdown catch and Goff doesn't mind targeting the running backs Jamal Williams DeAndre Swift and tight end TJ Hawkinson if he needs to to keep to move the ball he's going to do whatever it takes to move the ball and if the offensive line which is good is able to protect him golf can pretty much throw as accurately and on time as anyone he's a good passer all right I said we do mail every week let's get to a couple of questions from episode one I said you can send in your questions comments concerns whatever okay David can you share sports betting picks that's under consideration. I've got to admit, watching the games, the sports betting craze is getting kind of out of hand a little bit. Like every commercial of sports betting, it seems like it's 
we might do it for entertainment value, I guess. Everyone's interested in it. I'd say not this week. I kind of want to see how teams are looking like after a couple of weeks, then maybe we'll look into future shows giving, giving tips, but you can go to wolfsports.com for, we do make recommended against the spread picks every week. We started that on week one. Uh, we were three and two last week. Packers kind of, uh, Vegas was on to something. We thought that was crazy. The Packers were only, I think three and a half point favorites against the saints. Saints weren't in the Superdome. It was in a neutral site in Jacksonville. I think there were more Packers fans there than Saints fans, but Vegas was on to something because the Packers got demolished. And one more question for this week. What makes you think Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? Last week I said I thought Brady was the best quarterback in the league. I said Brady one, Josh Allen two, Mahomes three. It's like splitting hairs. I think Brady's clearly the top spot and he needs to get that respect, I think. And he's still, he's playing as well as he's ever played and he's the greatest quarterback ever. But as for Allen versus Mahomes, Allen got more help last year. Stefan Diggs, they got a good supporting cast overall, good defense. But as I said last week, he can run a little bit more than Mahomes. And to me as a passer, he's just as talented. He can like scramble around, navigate behind the line of scrimmage and throw strikes no matter where he's at behind the line, no matter where his receiver is on the field. Mahomes is amazing. But remember, like Mahomes has Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. It's close. It's really close between them. He Mahomes breaks records, like they were saying during the game on Sunday. Romo and Nance were saying, like, it seems like every other snap he's breaking a record. Mahomes, that is. But I think Allen, if in the same situation with Andy Reid, Kelsey Hill could do the same things, in my opinion. Again, it's extremely close. It's not like there's never going to be, be a redraft where you need to choose between Allen Mahomes. But personally, I just give the slight, really slight edge to Allen. And the good thing is we'll see. Like, we'll be able to see. It might not be till 10, 15 years from now, but I'd say they're both going to be competitors in the AFC. They're going to be playing in January, hopefully against each other more like they did last year. Not that head-to-head is everything, obviously, but like they're both going to be in the mix for championships every year. And if you want to send questions, comments, whatever, email davidchapine at wolfsports.com. These two people did not include their names that I accepted this week for questions, but you can include your name. You can include your town if you want to or state, whatever. And we'll take more questions next week for sure. And I'd say that's just about it for episode two of the Wolf Sports Show. Keep an eye on teams like the Titans, Packers, that did not play in the preseason to maybe get things going a little more in week two. Enjoy the games. And we'll be back next week.